the word partnership, partnership, is derived from two words, partner and ship. The word partner uh, is defined as joint owner or and or joint heir. And the word ship, as much as I thought it would just mean a boat, um, is an old English word that means the state of condition of being. The state of condition of being. And so when you put the words together, the word partnership literally means the state of being a joint owner. So that's what partnership is. Um, In other words, partnership means that what you have, I have. If you go up, I go up. If you go down, I go down as well. That's what partnership is. It means that you're together. Now, we use the word partnership in many different contexts of life. Marriage is a partnership. Business, we do many business things in partnership. Friendship, you do in partnership. But did you know that partnership also exists in church and in ministry? To be in a state of of, of being a joint owner, to be in partnership, is something that as believers is not an option, but is something that we enter into when we become a believer. The most obvious answer is that our partnership is with God. That we are in a state of being a joint owner of what? A life that honours God. When we, when we say, I'm going to be a Christian, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a follower of Jesus, that I'm going to be a son or daughter of God, what we're saying is we're saying, God, we're going to partner together into being what? Being a Christian. Right, Because that's what God wants, that's what we want, and that's the life that we live. And that's partnership. But the second part of partnership we see in our faith is partnership between fellow believers. You know, as believers, we all want the same thing. To live the life that God intended us for us. To live the life that God created for us, which was what? To love God and to love others. That's what God wants for each believer. We all want this. And where where Christian faith lies, everyone wants this. It doesn't matter whether it's in a church. It doesn't matter whether, whether you're out in the field. It doesn't matter if you're on the street. It doesn't matter even if you're just evangelizing or you're building houses. As a Christian, our goal is to love God and to love each other. And because we have the same goal, we have the same purpose, partnership becomes important. Why? Because we can't do everything. We can't be everywhere. You know, Jesus said, go and be my witness to the ends of the earth. The problem is we're stuck in Australia. Right, And that's not the worst thing in the world, really. We live in an amazing country, but we're just far. We're just far from everything, right? Which is also not a bad thing as well, right? Like, we cannot do mission work in Brazil unless, you know, obviously we just move, 
right? Like there are things that we can't do. We're limited because of our human element that requires us to then depend and enter into partnership with other believers. Um, I can't do ministry. I thought about these examples, right? It would be hard for me. Like I just thought about all the ministries that I can't do, right? Women's ministry, right? And all the women in our church said amen, right? I'm, I've never been invited to preach at our, our church's women's conference. I just bring coffee and that's about it. That's all I get to do, right? I, I'm, I, yeah, I shouldn't do that, right? I can't do um, Mandarin ministry. Very simple reason, can't speak Mandarin, right? I can't do ministry to the super rich and the famous because I would be starstruck and I would forget about, I would forget about Jesus and I'd be more concerned about getting autographs, you know? There are things that I can't do and there are things that you can't do. But that's why we need partnership. That's why we need partnership. So that collectively, we can do it all together. Now, over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the, the book of Philippians in the New Testament. Now, to give a little bit of context, Philippians is a letter. It's a letter written by a guy called Paul. And, and he writes this letter to a bunch of Christians that are living in an area called Philippi, right? So if Paul was to write a letter to Christians in Chatswood, right, we would be the Chatswoodians or something like that, right? The letter to the Chatswoodians. Um, so Paul's writing this letter. Now, who's Paul? Paul, Paul is a Jewish leader. He's a, a very prominent Jewish leader who meets Jesus in a personal and supernatural way. And then he feels like well, he's called by God to take the news of Jesus, the story of Jesus, outside of the Jewish community, out into the nations. Now, Paul ultimately is the first ever missionary, someone to take the gospel of Jesus outside of Jerusalem. And so Paul, after he meets Jesus personally, he dedicates his life to going and sharing the good news of Jesus. And on one of his journeys, he goes through a town called Philippi, which is in the region of Macedonia. The map was on. Paul does three big trips. But you can see Jerusalem is in, in, in the, the bottom right. And we see all these areas like Antioch and Syria and, and Cyprus, the little island. And then a little bit further up in the center, we see Ephesus, where we see the letter to the Ephesians, Colossae. Galatia, and then we see above that in Macedonia, we see Philippi, Thessalonica, and Corinth, and that's what we would know now as Europe. Paul is ultimately the first person to take the gospel of Jesus into Europe. Um, so what do we know about Philippi? What do we know about the town and its people? Well, firstly, we know that Philippi was a Roman colony. 
Even though it was not Rome, it was run by retired Roman officials and was often nicknamed as Little Rome. So it's like saying like Stratfield is Little what? Korea, right? Cabramatta is Little Vietnam, right? Eastwood is Little it depends on which side of the station you go, right? You got Little China or Little Korea, right? Um, or Leichhardt is Little Italy, right? Do you know what Taramara is? Little money. Just joking. Okay. <laughs> but what Philippi being Little Rome meant was that it was culturally influenced by Rome in a big way. So, the biggest area of worship in Philippi was the worship of the emperor. Who's that? Caesar, right? Roman legal system, but also with that came persecution of Christians. So that's what we know about Philippi. If you want to read the story, Acts chapter 16, that's the story of of Paul's journey through uh, Macedonia, where he travels to Philippi. And when he gets there, he starts a small but committed church. And when we say started a church, we're not talking about a building. It's just a group of believers because that's what a church is. It's just a group of believers that gather together to honor and worship God. And so they're like a little family unit. But one of the cool things is Paul starts a lot of different churches. But one of the cool things about the church in Philippi is that it's not just a church that Paul started, but it's a church that Paul started and it, in itself it matured. So, for example, it's like a family unit, right? When the kids are young and the parents are running the business, the kids don't really know what the parents do. But the parents are just running the business really for the sake of the family. But as the kids get older and they mature, they start to see that the business is not just something that their parents do. But if the opportunity comes, the kids get involved in that family business. And then later on, the parents retire, and then the kids actually start to run that family business. And that's what happens at the church of Philippi. It's not that the church just started with Paul, and then it just stayed an immature little church, but actually they grew, and they took ownership of the church. And the Christians in Philippi actually start to do things like what Paul used to do, go and evangelize, go and do good works. And they uh, grow in their maturity. So that's a little bit about the context. Now, what's the goal of this series and why are we talking about this in our spring sowing? It's to show us that being a Christian is not purely about ourselves. It's to remind us that our goal in faith is not just for us. Actually, maturity in faith is not an inward finishing goal, but a mature Christian is one that outputs into the world. We are not the end goal. God has a big plan for the world and we need to understand as a part as a part of God's family, we are a part of this plan. But the plan is not the end of our church. But actually the plan goes to the ends of the earth. And it's all done through partnership with God and partnership with each other. Now, from next week, the next three weeks, we're going to be introducing to you three ministry partners that we have with our church. Um, next week, we're going to be uh, inviting our Burwood core team to come, and they're going to be presenting, telling us a little bit about what's happening in Burwood. The week after that, 
Mandarin Bible study, a campus ministry at Sydney University. They're going to be coming in and presenting. And that's something that our associate pastor, Pastor May, is involved in. And then the final week, we're actually going to be hearing from our mission partners in Cambodia, um, Deborah and Martin. Um, and, and we're going to be hearing about what's happening in Cambodia during this season. We are, we are partnering with them. And as we do that, we get to see and glimpse what God's kingdom looks at. But tonight, we start in Philippians chapter 1. And the question that we want to answer tonight is this. What does it mean to be in ministry partnership? What does it mean? Now, Paul started a lot of different churches, but for some reason, the theme of partnership is one of the main themes in this church. Paul talks about partnership as, as one of the key focuses in this letter. So as we go through chapter 1 today, uh, verses 1 to 26, we're going to look at four elements that are important in ministry partnership. Okay, what does it mean to be in ministry partnership? Okay, the first thing that we need in ministry partnership is time. Paul starts his letter in verse 1 and 2 with just a greeting, but straight away in verse 3 moves away from the greeting straight into thankfulness for ministry partnership. Let's read verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul begins his letter to the church in Philippi and he actually says, thank you. Thank you for partnering with me. And one of the cool things to note is Paul doesn't say thank you for partnering with me after one year. He doesn't say thank you for partnering with me after we showed that the ministry was actually working. But actually he says from the first day till now. See, something that we need to understand is if we are to engage in ministry partnership, we need the investment of time. Why? Paul talks about how he's praying for them because they have been on his heart. There is genuine care and concern that Paul has for the church in Philippi, but that only comes because Paul gave it time. Paul gave time to the partnership. To, to have care and concern, it doesn't just naturally come. It has to, be, it has to come from a basis of time. Um, even the fact that you would pray for someone, right? And it might be a minute, it might be 20 minutes. You actually have to think about it and you actually have to give it time to pray. When you came to church today or when you logged on, you actually are, are, are taking time out from what you're doing to invest that time into this service or into the church. How can you grow something? How can you care about something when you don't give it time, when you don't invest time into it? Paul prays for them, and we read part of his prayer in verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
Paul, he, he, he tells them, hey guys, I'm praying these things for you. But you've got to understand, Paul doesn't just make up these things. He's actually invested time thinking about the church in Philippi, thinking about the people in Philippi, remembering his time when he was there. And he prays, and as he prays, as he invests time into prayer, God gives him insight on how to pray. But it all starts with time. I'm so grateful That even in our community today, that you have already given that investment of time into our church. Now, I know for some of you, you might not have thought of it. Some of you, it's just a normal thing. But actually, if you think about it, you're here or you're, you're online with us right now. You're giving your time because you want to engage in ministry partnership with the church. And for that, I'm grateful. Friends, you cannot have partnership that does not involve time investment. You can't start a partnership in business and not give it any time. You can't get married and partner with your spouse without giving it any time. And it's exactly the same with ministry. The first thing that ministry partnership needs is the investment of time. Secondly, the second thing that ministry partnership needs is relationship. There are some relationships that are deep and there are some relationships that are shallow. But the bottom line is, you cannot have any partnership if you don't have relationship. Verse 12 to 14, Paul takes some time to share with them his current situation, right? It's really interesting, right? He's writing a letter to the Philippians, and you'd think that the, the job would be to encourage them and to go, hey, guys, what are you doing? Or he's teaching them as he does in other letters. But actually, listen to verse 12 to 14 as he explains his own situation. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now one of the first uh, things that I forgot to mention was, Paul, as he went around to share the gospel of Jesus, it's not like everyone was like, hallelujah, welcome to our town, right? What Paul was teaching about the gospel was completely against every other religion that was already being practiced. And so Paul was beaten, he was thrown into jail, and actually this letter, he's in jail, right? And back in the old days, it's not like you're just in a room, but you were chained up to a Roman guard, and he was writing this letter in jail to the church in Philippi. But one of the cool things is, even though Paul was in jail, chained to a Roman guard, even though he couldn't go out to evangelize and church plan, he didn't just sit there and rot away, but continued to do whatever he could do to share the good news of Jesus, and that was to write letters. And actually, we hear stories in other uh, of his letters where he's like, I know that I'm in chains, but how cool is this? This Roman guard, he's chained to me the whole time. He's stuck with me, right? I'm going to evangelize to him. You know, I don't know if you've ever been on a really long airplane trip. You know, I know for some of you, you're like, man, please, please, please empty seat next to me. And I'm like that too, right? Please empty seat next to me. And it's like, oh, it's my wife. You know, it's, oh, it's my kid. Okay, you know. Um, 
but but I remember once I was like, I don't, I don't it should happen more, but I was really passionate for Jesus as I was getting on this plan and I was by myself. I think I was going on missions to Cambodia and I was by myself. And I was like, Lord, please sit a non-believer next to me. Even better, Lord, Jehovah's Witness. You know, even better, Lord, you know, Muslim. You know, 10-hour flight, just me and that person. Let's just go at it, right? Lol, funny story. Got the sweetest old granny next to me who loved the Lord. And so we just, we just encouraged each other. And <laughs> but Paul, he, he didn't let his circumstance stop him from what was important. Anyway, so he's writing to the, the Philippians. And then instead of encouraging them, he's, he's actually sharing with them his own situation. Hey, I, I don't know if you know, but I'm in jail. They beat me up. And they put me in jail, and that's where I'm writing this letter from. And that's not good news. That's not great news to hear that your mate is in jail, right? But what we see is that ministry partnership, it's not just one way, but it's based on relationship, meaning that you've got to know both sides. The reason why Paul shares about his situation to the Christians in Philippi is so that not only is it him investing into them, but it's for him to let them know how he's doing. And that's really important. He takes his time to share his current situation, but he uses that current situation to go, look, I know that it doesn't look very good that I'm in jail right now, but look at what God is doing. And he encourages them through that. He, he uses the opportunity to spread the good news of Jesus. Verse 14, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all, all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul uses his situation to encourage the Christians, not just in Philippi, but around. See, ministry partnership, one of the things that you, you can't do ministry partnership without relationship. Every partner that we have as a church, we have a relationship with them. Now, some of them, they're early. Right? Some of them, they're thin relationships. Some of them, they're shallow. But some of them are deep. You know, even in our faith, as we do this journey together, as we do what we say life together, you can't do that without relationship. You can't be a Christian on your own, nor can you do ministry by yourself. It is a foolish way to think. We need each other and we need relationship. So the second thing that ministry partnership needs is relationship. The third thing that ministry partnership needs is Purpose, clear purpose. I know it sounds very generic, but everything must have purpose for it to be effective. And that's exactly the same with ministry partnership. Both parties must clearly know what that relationship, what that partnership is all about. Or what happens? It risks each of the parties, either of the parties moving in different direction. Imagine starting a business with someone but you're not clear on what that business is all about. That's not going to work well. Imagine getting married to someone and not clear about what the marriage is all about. In the same way that any other partnership needs clear purpose, ministry partnership is also the same. Throughout this passage, Paul makes very clear the purpose. It's all about Jesus. 
His life is all about Jesus. And the partnership that he talks about with the church in Philippi is all about Jesus. We read this in verse 13. As a result, it has been clear throughout the palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Verse 18, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Verse 20 to 26, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am going to, uh, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Paul, what Paul says in that passage, that last passage is crazy. You know, literally he says, because Jesus, because Jesus is the most important thing in his life, and because he is confident that if he is to die, that he would be reunited with Jesus, that he would resurrect just like Jesus resurrected, that he would be in heaven with Jesus because he is confident. He actually says, it is better for me to die. It's a crazy, crazy declaration. I, I wish, I wish, you know, All of us could make that declaration. But the problem with us is that Jesus, yes, is important, but he is not the most important thing. We struggle with that tension. Paul is saying here right now, right here, I would rather die because there is nothing on this planet that is worth more to me than being with Jesus. And he says, I'm torn because I know the better thing. How crazy is that, right? The better thing is to die right? But he can say that confidently because he knows that what is after death is so much greater than what is now. And we lose this focus. We, we don't understand this because we think that the best life that we have is what we see in this life. But we, it's because we, we still fail to understand how good Jesus is. I use this story all the time. It's a, it's a difference between the lotto ticket, the three cent lotto ticket, and the, the $20 billion lotto that you've won. We're all sitting here going, how awesome is my three cent lotto ticket? And Jesus is there in heaven waiting and we're, we're like, for eternity. And we're all, we're, we're all getting worried about what tomorrow is about. But Paul knows. Paul is so clear. That when Jesus is the focus, not even this life is important. Later in Philippians, he's going to use this phrase, rubbish. He calls this life rubbish compared to what Jesus is all about. And so Paul says, man, I would rather die right now and just be with Jesus. You know, it's just a matter of fact. That's how big Jesus is. But why doesn't he do it? He goes, I'm torn. I'm torn between the two because I want to depart and be with Christ. And he says, which is better by far. 
But verse 24, but it is more necessary for you that I remain here in the body. So this amazing thing that Paul says is, I know that the better thing is for me to be with Jesus. But when I think about you, when I think about the work that still needs to be done, when I think about the fact that other people don't know how good Jesus is and how important being with Jesus is, then actually, if I'm not thinking about myself and I'm thinking about you, I'm going to stay. And that's what Paul says. I will stay for you, not for me. I will stay for you. You know, I, it, I, I got a family. I got a job. You know, I, I got debts to pay. You know, like, I'm like, how easy would it really be for me to go, you know what? Jesus is more important than all of that. But that's what Paul's saying. He declares that Jesus is more important. There's nothing on this world. And so his purpose is clear. His purpose is so clear. It's to make the name of Jesus great. He lives on this earth, not for himself. Literally, he has no other, no other agenda to stay on this earth. He would rather die and go with Jesus, but he stays for you. That's what he's saying to the Philippians church. Partnership wasn't just about Paul having this purpose, but it was to encourage the Philippians to have that same mindset. Spreading the gospel themselves, supporting gospel work and supporting Paul. See, the Philippian church, they also knew. They also knew this purpose. It's really important for us to understand. It's such a simple principle, right? Without purpose, you don't know what you're doing. But with clear purpose, which ministry partnership needs, is the most effective. Time, relationship, and purpose. But you know what's interesting? You talk about any, any partnership in the world, all of those three are the most important. Right? So what, what then separates ministry partnership outside of any other partnership in this world? And it's the last thing, and it's prayer. Time, relationship, purpose. But the fourth thing that Paul shows us is prayer. Prayer acknowledges that it's not up to us. Prayer acknowledges that our lives are in the hands of God. Prayer helps us to acknowledge our limitations in what we can and can't do and remind us that our first and foremost partnership is with God who is unlimited in power, in wisdom, and in resources. The foundation of ministry partnership is time, relationship, purpose, all covered in prayer. That's why we read that, that verse in verse 9 to 11 where, where Paul prays for the church in Philippi. And, and we actually read in verse 19 that the opposite happens as well. It's not just, as I said, partnership is both ways, right? It's not just Paul praying for the church in Philippi, but we actually see that the church in Philippi is also praying for, for Paul. Verse 19, For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. This is an essential part of ministry partnership. It's prayer. You know, it's not just about you coming to church or you giving or you serving, but it's also the church praying for you. A few years ago, Pastor May, in her ministry, would send out prayer letters or update letters. 
And, and at, after sharing all that was happening in the ministry, the last line of the letter, I don't know, a lot of you guys would have read this. I don't know if you ever read that last line. But the last line would always end with, how can I pray for you? And when I read these letters, I was like, that's really confusing. Is it a rhetorical question? <laughs> Is it something that I need to think about? But actually, I kind of just realized like two, like two nights ago, that's what it was. It's not just her sharing about her ministry to her supporters, but actually she would take time to pray for those supporters as well. The element of prayer must be mutual. Not only do we pray for our ministry partners, but we should also expect them to pray for us too as the church. Because if we as the church don't exist, then they, they can't get support from us. Not only do we ask people to pray and partner with the church in prayer, but the church is also praying for them too. And let me say it again, the church is also praying for you. Prayer acknowledges that all of this is in the hands of God. Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That he who began a good work in you, who's he? It's God. When Paul talks about this ministry, the good work that is happening in the church in Philippi, who's he talking to? He's not talking to them. So who started the work? It wasn't them, it was God. Friends, think about your life. Think about everything that's happening in your life. Who is it that started the good work in you? It wasn't you. It wasn't your parents. It was God. And Scripture tells us that it is He who started that good work in you will see it to completion. That's why we pray. That's why we pray. Because we believe that our lives, oh, this, the, the biggest lie that our world teaches us is that it's on you. You determine your future. You do good and you will be famous. You will be successful. It's about how good you are. You know, just do it. You know, and that's how success will be. I'm telling you, friends, no one here, no one joining us online can guarantee tomorrow morning your breath. No one can guarantee that. You think you can. You plan your life like that, don't we all? We all know what we're doing this week. We all have ideas of how we're going to live this week. But Scripture tells us, Scripture tells us, but what is your life? You plan to go to this city. You plan to go to that town. You plan to meet this person. You plan to build your life. You're going to do this, you know, in this world. You can't even guarantee tomorrow. And Scripture tells us and describes our life as like mist. That morning mist that you see, or some of you see because you wake up that early. For, for a lot of us, we don't see it because we're not up that early. The only time I ever see mist is whenever I have to get up early to play golf, right? And, and the only time I have to wake up early is to go play golf, right? I don't even wake up to make lunch for my kids, but I wake up early to play golf. And it is a beautiful sight on the golf course when it's just mist, because it doesn't matter where you hit the ball, you just blame the mist, <laughs> okay? But that mist, the cool thing about mist is as you're work, walking down the hole, the mist disappears. And suddenly, the mist that was all around you, it disappears. Scripture tells us 
That is our life. That is your life. It's a mist. It's here one day and gone the next. And if you believe that, it changes the way you live. It changes the way you think. It changes what you prioritize. Prayer. Prayer, our connection with God, our partnership with God, our primary partnership, that reminds us of this. And we wake up every morning and it's not, wow, I'm going to win today. I'm going to do it, you know, for my family today. No, it's God. I have no control over my life today. Thank you for the breath that I'm breathing right now. Help me to do what you want me to do today. That is the difference. That's the difference. It's a reminder that we are not God, that we are not in control, but God is. Friends, ministry partnership. The need for ministry partnership that Paul shows us with the church in Philippi, the need for partnership with you and me, for our church and other organizations, it's not an option. It is an essential. Why? Because we're all in this together. We have one goal, and that's to make the name of Jesus known to the world. We have that one goal. And if we have that one goal, then we should all get on that boat because we're all on that same boat together. We're all going down the same river. Over the next few weeks, you're going to hear about how God is moving in different parts of the world. And as you listen to this, I want you to hear it. And I want you to hear not just, wow, what a great work they are doing. But hear what a great work that we as one community, one global community of faith is doing. Because we're all a part of it. As a Christian, you don't have a choice. You've already entered into a partnership. And if you're not already active in a partnership, then you are the, you're the burden You're not pulling your weight. As a Christian, when you become a Christian, you sign up for that partnership in ministry, in church, outside of church, with other believers. It's not just for us to hear over the next few weeks about what's happening around the world, but it's to ask the question, how can we actively participate in ministry partnership. And if you're not a believer and you're joining us today, you need to understand that there's more to this life than just yourself. Chasing your dreams. That actually you were created by God and when God created you, He created you for a specific purpose and that wasn't for your good. It wasn't for your fame and fortune. It wasn't for your riches. It wasn't for you to become an amazing person or or, or for you to change the world. No, God created the world. God can change it with a breath. Your purpose is to honor God, to live for Him. That is a life that is worth living. That's a life. That's the life that Paul says, you know what? I would rather die for Jesus. That's the kind of life that God has. So something for us to consider tonight as we begin this journey in spring sowing this year. Ministry partnership. Is it something that we just hear about? Is it something that we're kind of a part of? Or is it something that we understand that we're 
all a part of. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about not just about how are all these other ministry partners, but how. And, and just let me give you this cameo, right? It's not just about money. Money is one way of ministry partnership. You know, it's an important way, but it's only one way. Prayer, time, and you know, that's why we're, we're, part of this is, is the, the, the working bee down in Bird. You know, we, we could not have what we have in Bird if people didn't partner with us in the church and outside the church to go and, and fix it up. I promise you, seven and a half years of this church, it would not be here if people outside of our church were not praying for us right now. That's what ministry partnership's about. It's about all coming together, time, relationship, purpose, and prayer, all these elements coming together to do one thing, to honor God, to love God, and to love his people. That's what we've all signed up to. That's what God created us for. I hope that you're living your life for for God's purposes. I hope that you're understanding and starting to see that there's so much more to life than just me. Even Christian life. Can I tell you, even as a Christian, it's not just about you and your faith. The more you mature, just like the church in Philippi, the more you mature, the more you realize it's not actually about me, it's about someone else. And I pray that God will convict you during this season. I pray that God will transform your life during this season. From an inward and a selfish and a young, immature Christian to one that is ready to partner with God in ministry. And everyone said, Amen. Let's pray. Why don't we just take a moment to reflect on, on God's word tonight. And I believe that God is speaking to each and every one of you in a different way. For some of you, you don't know this God personally. And for some of you, you're living your life for yourself. You're, for what you want or who you want to become. And, and I just want to remind you, and I want to, I, want to, I want to just share with you, friends, what's the point of gaining the whole world, fame, fortune? What's the, what's the point of, of, of living the, the great Australian dream of owning your own house and being successful? And what's the point in gaining the whole world when you might lose your soul the world will end for you when you die but what about your soul what will you do after this life and no one knows when this life will end for you and I no one knows that and yet we are investing everything we have into this temporary life the bible calls this life a tent a temporary tent and yet we we are living our lives for this God is saying there is so much more to life. He's saying my purposes for you aren't just for this life, but for all of eternity. He's saying don't waste your life, but make sure you're aligned to me. Come to me. I'll teach you what life's about. I'll teach you what life after life's about. So maybe you just want to sit and think about that. What is the purpose of my life? Why do I live? Why do I get up tomorrow morning? What do I plan for? Is it just about me? And maybe you are a Christian and maybe you need to ask yourself the same question. Is my life still just about me? Is it about my family? Is it about my marriage? Is it about my children? Is it about my job, my career, my finances, my future, my retirement? 
Because if your life is still just about you, even as a Christian, if your life is still just about you, then you are on a different page with the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul says that my life is nothing. It is meaningless. It is rubbish. That it would be better for me to die and be with Jesus because Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the purpose. Jesus is the reason why we live. If you're still about you, then you still haven't understood it properly. You still need to work this out. So why don't we just take a moment, wherever we're at, whether we're here, whether we're at home, whether we're here, whether we're tuning in, wherever you are, take a moment, close your eyes, just let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord just sit under Him right now. God is wanting to reach out to you and speak to you tonight. What's he saying? And how do you want to respond tonight? How do you want to respond? I hope that your response is to take up the call. Say, I'm going to join this partnership. I want to be involved in this ministry partnership. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to give it time. I'm going to give a relationship. I'm going to have clear purpose and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. So whatever God's putting on your heart right now, why don't you just go to God? Just let's spend some time in reflection and prayer. Let's pray.